the game is over. The New York Jets are the world champions. You play to win the game. He's got it. That's a Jet touchdown. Can't wait. You're listening to the official New York Jets podcast, a Jets 360 production. Ethan Greenberg and Eric Allen here on the official Jets podcast. Again, the NFL draft imminent, imminent, imminent EA. Today, we're diving in on one of the more polarizing quarterback prospects, Baker Mayfield, the 2017 Heisman Trophy winner. This guy has video game statistics when you look at him online. Walked on at Texas Tech transferred to Oklahoma, walked on there. We're going to speak to Monday morning quarterbacks Robert Klemko later on in this episode. But this is a guy, EA, that he knows how to win, but he's also someone that says, you know, what's his elite skill compared to the other three? Well, he would tell you that he is more accurate than everybody. He did, in fact, tell everybody that in Indianapolis at the Combine. He is also on record as saying that if you want to turn your franchise around, you will pick me. He has an unbelievable belief in himself, which I think is going to draw a lot of folks towards him. 70% passer at Oklahoma. Uh, last year, he led the Sooners to the national semifinal, where I thought he played very well against Georgia. He missed a couple passes here and there, um, but really good feet. And highly intelligent as well. I know some people are going to look at it as a knock, the air raid offense that he comes from in Norman, Oklahoma. And then before that, you mentioned Texas Tech. But anybody you talk to who spent some time with him will say that he can diagnose very quickly, not just on a board, but the way he plays the game. And you actually spoke to Chad Pennington down in Orlando for the NFL's annual league meeting and he said that he believes Baker Mayfield is the purest passer of the bunch and he came to that conclusion in Indianapolis when he saw him throw at Lucas Oil Stadium Yep. and Baker Mayfield is one of those guys where the first thing you think of is not only his accuracy but his competitive spirit and we talked about it in our prior episodes Sam Darnold's competitive Josh Allen's competitive as well but this guy is very I would say he's the most infectious of the bunch He's someone that really wears his heart on his sleeve, and you can tell that he plays the game with a lot of emotion. Some people may think, well, sometimes a little too much emotion because as you saw, or maybe as you didn't see, Oklahoma played Kansas. He went out for the coin toss as a captain, stuck out his hand for a handshake, and the Kansas players kept their arms behind their back, refused to shake his hand. That seemed to spark him that game. Oklahoma won. Baker looked at the Kansas sideline, grabbed his crotch, and said, go cheer on your hoops, team. Kansas did go to the Final Four. They did. So if they suck the basketball, they did a good job this year. No, but on a serious level, I think uh, he's got a lot of moxie. Uh, Some people would say that he takes it a step too far. I think even Baker Mayfield would admit that he would like to have that one back. Mm -hmm. But... He's an excitable guy. After they went to Ohio State and beat the Buckeyes this year, after getting drilled at home in Norman the year before, Baker found a flag, an OU flag. (laughs) He tried to plant it at midfield. It didn't really work because if you're going to plant a flag, you've got to find grass. 
Unfortunately, in this oh case, my God. In this so case, you're saying it's a technicality? <laughs> in this case, it was just field turf. But, oh, my God. Yeah, him and his guys were just having some fun. Yeah, the more you read about Baker Mayfield, the biggest questions teams have aren't about off the field. It's about him on the field. And the one thing that you see from him, a couple things, is that here's a guy who's about one inch taller than Russell Wilson. He's got a quick release. He doesn't mind pressure. In fact, he thrives off of second-chance opportunities. I would say this is when pro scouts and GMs are making the projections, I don't think the NFL is built on second-chance opportunities mm-hmm. where Baker could get away with that. I think some things at the collegiate level that he might not be able to get away with on the next level. With that being said, he does a lot of things that you like. His feet are good. He can move around in the pocket. He can create throwing lanes. Incredibly smart. And he was prolific. Bottom line is, I like college players who come out and they had success in college. And Baker Mayfield is a guy who had a lot of success on the field. Yeah, I think it's time we check in with Robert Klemko because this is someone, like you said, is doing a deep dive on Baker Mayfield. What better guy to talk to than someone that spent a lot of time with Baker, head coach Lincoln Riley of Oklahoma, and all those close to those two. Let's check in with Robert Klemko. All right, let's bring in the aforementioned Robert Klemko, who's doing tremendous work for Monday Morning Quarterback right now. Robert where did this project all start, the genesis of you guys taking Baker Mayfield and doing an extended series on him? So, you know, I think in our industry we have gotten in the habit of, you know, cranking out these profiles of draft prospects and, you know, you write a story on a guy and then you just kind of move on. And I wanted to do something that felt more like I was a scout and I was trying to learn everything I could about a guy because my job depended on it. Kind of a far-fetched plan because we didn't think anybody would actually agree to it and our number one choice was Baker Mayfield in part because you know he's so talented we knew he'd be a first round pick but also you know the big personality the off the field questions the fact that he is a six foot quarterback you know trying to fighting against the odds and that he was getting these really crazy comparisons to you know Johnny Manziel and Drew Brees and Russell Wilson I mean the comparisons that this kid has just kind of run the gamut so we asked him, and, you know, to our surprise, he was completely down with it. And I think that I, over the course of the series, I realized why. And I think they felt that he was getting an unfair rap in terms of that Manziel comparison, and they felt like an honest ex- examination would kind of reveal that. It's really good stuff. We're going to get into it right now on the Official Judge podcast. But we follow you on Twitter as well, and I, I like that you put out in a tweet The other day you said people are complex and evolving and can't be reduced to a quote or a paragraph. And that, I think, to a T, fits Baker Mayfield. Yeah, yeah. Well, and what I was talking about was we had just put out a story that talked about how he's motivated by criticism and slights, whether it's media, whether it's other players. And, you know, I mean, he goes so far as to keep screenshots of, tweets by media members in his phone as motivation and I think a lot of people are motivated that way but I talked to Joe Thomas and and Russell Wilson 
And um, those guys talked about how, as a quarterback, especially as a rookie going into a situation where you may not have a lot of success early on, you have to be more insular than that. You can't rely on outside criticism to motivate you because there's going to be a lot of it, and at some point it's going to get overwhelming. What's kind of annoying about Twitter is that you write a story like that as part of a larger series, taking what you hope is an honest look at a guy, and everybody latches on to that and says, oh, he's a bust, yep. right? Uh, uh, there's no way he's going to succeed in the NFL because of this one thing. And I think social media in a lot of ways, and I don't want to sound like an old fogey here, but it's kind of cheapened our discourse on this sort of thing and allows people to just confirm the biases that they already have. That's something that I wanted to try to you know, overcome with this series. What's something you were expecting to learn about Mayfield, or maybe it was kind of your own thoughts on him versus what you know now? Is there kind of a discrepancy there? Well, you know, I don't follow college football extremely closely. Like, I, I probably watched three or four of Baker's games in prime time just because, you know, we cover the NFL. And on Saturdays, that's kind of like my day off. Right. right. So I went into it with kind of a clean slate. But you do read about the crotch grabbing and specifically the arrest back in, you know, last spring in Fayetteville, Arkansas, running away from the cops. And usually I think you assume, and you rightly assume, that this is not like the first time that he's ever been in a jam like this. It's just the first time he got caught, right? So the first thing I did when they agreed to, you know, be interviewed for the series and kind of aid in the logistics of it and all that was to file open records requests with police jurisdictions in Austin, Texas, where he's from, Lubbock, where he went to Texas Tech, Mm -hmm. Norman, uh, with the Sheriff's Department and the City Police Department there, and also Arkansas, uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas for any records that mentioned the name Baker Mayfield. And all of these police stations and entities are obligated to pass along those records within a pretty reasonable amount of time. So I figured that, you know, we would find something. That You know, I'm acting like a scout. I'm, I'm trying to find a dig-up dirt, and I was pretty confident that I would find something, in it, and I didn't. You know, we got back only the stuff that had already been reported about Baker in Arkansas and nothing else. And I think that was a surprise to me, and I began to understand why they even agreed to do this in the first place. Has he lost any of it through your examination of what made him Baker Mayfield, the guy who went to Texas Tech and battled for the job there, then transferred to Oklahoma, came in there, took that job, and then never looked back. Now he is a star, and he's about to get drafted probably in the first round, you would think, barring something really unforeseen right now. Along the way, as he's grabbed all this attention and a fandom from folks out there, has he ever lost what made him Baker Mayfield? He told an interesting story to me that you know I'm going to feature in the magazine And he talked about how he wanted to go to Florida Atlantic um, because they had offered him, them and Washington State were the only two teams that had offered him coming out of high school. Even though he'd gone to this extremely prestigious program like Travis and they won the state championship every other year, and Michael Brewer was a quarterback there, and Garrett Gilbert, like just a string of incredible quarterbacks that went on to college success. Baker didn't get recruited, I think, as a byproduct of how successful that program was and a lot of people felt that he was a system quarterback even then. So he wanted to go to Florida Atlantic, and he was kind of afraid to tell his dad because he knew his dad wanted him to you know, go bigger. 
enormous argument about it because Baker wanted to go somewhere he was wanted. And then at the end of it, Baker decided that he was going to walk on at Texas Tech. And then he had that decision immediately validated by starting as a freshman, winning the Big 12 Freshman of the Year Award. And I think that that success and that, that kind of bet that he made on himself, he just kept doubling down on that and doubling down on that. And he was so smart in how he went about winning those two jobs. We talked about you know the hard work and, and all of the preparation that he had to go through, not knowing if he was going to have an opportunity. But he also talked about making sure that you're asking the right questions, not just so that you're getting necessary information, so that people know that you're asking the right questions and people notice it. I think he was really great at putting in the work, but also being noticed and recognized for that work. And people say, you know, he's not a CEO, and he's not enough of a politician to be an NFL quarterback. I think the opposite. I mean, I think this guy is crafty as hell. Yeah. So we're speaking to Robert Klamko, Monday morning quarterback, who also doubled down in Sports Illustrated, and we'll be looking for more work from him in the weeks ahead as we get closer to the draft. You said that Baker Mayfield has leaned on Chad Pennington somewhat as a mentor. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, Chad is sort of a mentor to a lot of guys at the Combine through this NFL Legends program. He ends up, you know, kind of shepherding these quarterbacks through all these various uh, parts of that process. And then he was also at the Senior Bowl talking to players. So I I think he's trying to step into this role of coach mentor to the stars. And I think Baker has found in him kind of an impartial ear and somebody he can bounce things off of and somebody who can give advice that Baker knows isn't coming from a place of, you know, trying to benefit off of Baker's success or anything like that or piggyback off of his name. And one of the things that Chad has tried to do is to curtail these instincts in Baker that lead people to think that he's not the CEO type. One of my stories in the series I led with Baker kind of blowing off the Brown scout because, you know, why are the Browns trying to interview me knowing they just drafted Mitchell Trubisky? And Chad Pennington has tried to dissuade him of that and just tell him, you know, there's 32 teams out there, and in four years you might end up playing for that scout that you just blew off. So, yeah, I think that it's been a learning process for Baker, and it was really important for him to meet Chad early on in this offseason. You went through a film breakdown with Oklahoma head coach Lincoln Riley, and I know one of the knocks per se on Baker is that, you know, he's coming from an offense that's quarterback friendly. So can you just dive into a little bit more detail on what Lincoln Riley and maybe even you think that Baker will translate to a successful quarterback despite his offensive scheme in college? Yeah. Well, I think we all have this view of the up-tempo variations on the spread offense, you know, whether it's the blur or the air raid, where the quarterback looks over to the sideline and he gets a call or he looks at a picture of, you know, Oscar the Grouch or something, and then everybody knows that that's the play they're running. And, and then the sideline is completely orchestrating the whole thing. That's a little bit of a stereotype in a lot of cases, especially with quarterbacks that have a lot of experience in a program and with a particular coach in that offense. I mean, I think Baker has been an exception in the same way that Patrick Mahomes at Texas Tech was an exception. In sitting down with Lincoln Riley, it, it really helped me understand, and I hope it helped the readers understand, how much he grew within that offense. Because that's what a lot of these coaches are asking of Riley. How much can we put on him early on, and how quickly is he going to be able to process it? I mean, I know that he got a real sense 
from the Jets in his visit with them that it wasn't a boilerplate interview, that they had already done some research and watched a lot of film of Oklahoma football and that Jeremy Bates was already you know, putting together some offensive concepts that would translate to the NFL from Oklahoma in the event that they did draft Baker. So that interview really stood out to him because they were doing some of the same things that I was doing with Lincoln Riley in trying to learn you know, what Baker's responsibilities were and how quickly he could take on information at the next level. That was great layout on that article because not only are you speaking to it with pros, but the video of the actual plays was incorporated in those articles. So that was very good. I really enjoyed that. Just don't click on it in six months when all the uh, television broadcast is playing the YouTube rights on there. <laughs> it's working right now, so it, it's all good. Something else that stood out to me, Baker Mayfield, he's a pretty intelligent cat, isn't he? You, uh, you wrote that there was a quarterback prospect this year who scored in the top 100 on an AIQ test, which is basically an intelligence test for prospects coming out, and that's out of more than 4,000 tests, and... This person was the second highest scoring quarterback out of 63 who have taken the test since 2012. You said you got a couple sources saying that guy is Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and it's a, it's a new intelligence test that's been used at the Combine since 2012 that's meant to replace the Wonderlick because the Wonderlick does have a lot of cultural and language biases and hasn't really been shown to correlate directly to NFL success. So this Dr. Scott Goldman, uh, who's a sports psychologist, spent the last 10, 15 years developing this test that he has now found a positive correlation between a high score and success and playing time early on in an NFL career. So it's only been since 2012, so obviously the sample size isn't that huge. But 63 quarterbacks have taken this thing, and Baker was the second highest score. It's valued by a couple teams in the NFL who subscribe to all the testing results, and those teams, two teams are secret. And then five or six other teams in the NFL will then pay at a premium for, say, their top 100 draft prospects results on that test. So I, I think it's something that, you know, we're going to hear about more often in years to come. It's a very new thing at the combine. Robert, what do you think his most elite physical quality is? Because when I'm always asked about Baker Mayfield, I said, well, the first thing that stands out to anybody is this guy is so driven. He is super competitive. You can see that without knowing him. But you've been in his camp, per se, for a few months. You've talked to people around him. What about his physical qualities? What stands out to you the most? You know, he doesn't have a spectacular arm. He's not going to wow you with a 70-yard throw downfield, uh, you know, on the money like a Josh Allen is. He's not a big guy. He's not a fast guy. You know, he runs 4.8, and people compare him to Russell Wilson, but Russell Wilson is way faster than Baker Mayfield, way more athletic. I, I think the thing that stands out, and kind of this, the analytics and statistics back this up, is that his accuracy when throwing on the run or when pressured, when backing up, moving side to side, moving forward, is almost identical to his accuracy when he's got a clean pocket. And that's a special thing and a, and a very necessary thing when you're six foot tall because you know you're going to have to be moving around and trying to find passing lanes, trying to create opportunities that maybe comes more easier to six foot five quarterbacks. But 
just watching film with Riley, that's one thing that he pointed out, is that in practice, Baker would rarely just drop back in a seven-on-seven drill and just sling it from a comfortable position. Even if there was nobody around him, he was falling to his right or falling away, falling left, evading imaginary pressure in order to replicate some of the things that he would face in games. And I think that work really showed in 2017. You wrote early on in the series that potentially you thought Baker Mayfield had 10 destinations. Has that list grown or shrunk, do you think? Yeah, I think it's shrunk. I, I think that as it's become clear that he's you know closer to being a top five pick than a top 15 pick, there are teams that probably would have taken a look out at him but uh, you know aren't willing to trade up into that spot. I would say that list is probably five teams at this point. I think you have to consider the Bills and Dolphins, uh, but they would have to trade up early in the first round. I think that the Jets, the Broncos, and the Browns are probably your top three right now in terms of candidates for Baker. And I, and I know that everybody has mocked Sam Darnold to the Browns, but I don't think they've made that distinction yet there. I think they're loving that everybody thinks they've made up their minds. Well, and you know this very well. <laughs> Hugh Jackson said Baker Mayfield, the Pied Piper of Oklahoma football. What do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I heard that same phrase from a GM uh, at another team, just kind of independent of that. It's a, it's a popular kind of football colloquialism, but there's some meaning to it. But I guess what they're trying to say is that he kind of has a cult of personality down at, at Oklahoma, and that's what you want to see out of a quarterback that's going to be your franchise guy. I mean, when scouts went down to Texas A&M, for instance, to investigate Johnny Manziel, there was no shortage of people that would talk trash about Johnny that were connected to that program. But you can't find anybody to talk trash about Baker Mayfield at Oklahoma. And I'm sure that's you know similar with a lot of these other quarterbacks in the top of the first round. I think it's kind of a prerequisite if you're going to draft a quarterback in the first that he's got a really humongous following among the people that he worked with every day in college. Uh, I'm telling you what, Robert Klemko... Monday morning quarterback. Uh, also, you can find his work in Sports Illustrated. Speaking of that, you talked to tight end Mark Andrews, who's going to be playing on Sundays as well. He said that Mayfield puts you in good spaces, and he's a guy who comes in, he works hard, and he thinks he can flip a program around on the next level. Yeah, Andrews is, you know, was his probably top receiver in 2017. And it was interesting talking to him because so much had changed for them from 2016 to 2017. I mean, they had been a very vertical offense in 2016. They had D.D. Westbrook, who was like one of the fastest players in college football that year. And then when he and a group of senior wide receivers moved on, Andrews was by far the most talented and most experienced receiver in that offense. And they really had to adapt, you know, what they were doing to kind of fit the personnel. And I think that's another thing that NFL teams looked at. How did Baker respond to kind of deficiencies around the roster where there had been none previously? Robert, through all your time with Baker and Lincoln Riley and people close to Baker, is do you have like an anecdote or a story that maybe not a lot of people know about that really sticks out to you about Baker Mayfield, either the player or the person? You know, I, I, I've been really impressed with his patience. I think that it was one of the most unique things about this whole thing has been working with his agents because he did not pick mega football agents. You know, he didn't pick 
CAA or, or Drew Rosenhaus or any of those other guys. I mean, he went with some guys that have a really small firm in Boulder, Colorado, who had some Oklahoma connections. And I think that he's more of a homebody than people realize. I remember a story from Jack Mills, the agent who recruited Baker, and they were, you know, in a pitch meeting, and Jack handed Baker a sheet with a salary, uh, the top 32 guys drafted uh, last year. So, you know, every, every one of these first-round picks has a slotted salary and bonus compensation. And people were talking at that time in, in early January about Baker being, you know, a mid-round pick, maybe the 19th pick to the Chargers or, or Washington uh, there in the middle of the first round. And Baker drew a line under uh, the fifth pick and said, I'm not going below this pick. <laughs> he kind of has this unreal self-confidence that he can make things happen that he actually has no control over. And it, things just kind of happen to work out for him really over his whole life. And I think that as much as you want to say people down in Oklahoma kind of believe in him unconditionally, he believes in himself even more than that. And lastly for me, Robert, is I'm not asking you to predict the future, but what kind of pro quarterback do you think he is going to be? I can't say. You know, I I think that so much of it depends on the situation these guys are in. I mean, you look at how many talented NCAA quarterbacks who came in the NFL with high pedigrees and a lot of expectations kind of wilted when – there was changeover within an organization when his offensive line was absolutely trash, when the media criticism weighed heavy, when there was competition there that he didn't expect and wasn't really ready to cope with. You know, all of those are factors. It's the great unknown. You know, there are people that still swear that Chad Henney would be a franchise quarterback in the NFL if he hadn't been drafted by the Jaguars. Um, so I, I can't say. I, 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 do, I would say that I have met you know, quarterbacks in this league before and been around successful quarterbacks. I live in Denver, covered Peyton Manning, and I think that Baker has a lot of the same qualities of these guys in terms of the work ethic, and that's going to be one of the most important things for him. Fascinating stuff. You're doing tremendous work, Robert Klamko, and, uh, you know, it's always great to catch up with a former Terrapin. I uh, graduated from the University of Maryland oh, probably boy. a little oh, bit before boy. you, Robert. I graduated <laughs> in 1998. But, uh, hey, listen, we really enjoyed catching up with you. Maybe we can talk in the future and uh, keep up the great work. Thanks for having me. Go Terps. Great stuff there from Robert Klemko of Monday Morning Quarterback EA. Something I thought was very interesting he said a lot of pro comps lead to Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield from a comparison perspective, but they're very different. And I told you this before on the official Jets podcast a couple weeks ago, my own personal comp for what it's worth, take it or leave it from a pure pocket awareness and mobility perspective is someone who calls games for CBS. And that is Tony Romo because he can dance in the pocket. He makes guys miss. He's accurate. And if he needs to hold tuck it and run after he looks downfield but for the Romo, isn't Romo a little bit taller? I understand what you're saying, and that's if you're a Baker Mayfield fan, uh, you like that comparison because I think Tony Romo was a very good quarterback. With all that being said, it is so hard to project these guys on the next level. So scouts and GMs, when you're looking at Baker Mayfield, when you're looking at Josh Allen, when you're looking at Josh Rosen, when you're looking at Sam Darnold, you have to say, what structure do we have in place? 
what is our system, and who is the guy to best match it. I think it's fascinating where Klemko said, hey, listen, Mayfield, he drew a line after that number five pick. Yeah, that, that, that was something, that, that right? Was, that was a good anecdote right there. So Mayfield, of course, that's what you expect from him, that he thinks that he is one of the top players. He, th- he thinks he's the top player in this draft, and he doesn't think he'll get past five. And there are a lot of people who agree with him. Tony Romo, 6'2". Okay, okay. Not a big height discrepancy there between those two. So I talked to, it's worth. I talked to Jim Miller at the league meetings in Orlando. I'm glad you brought that up. And, gonna do and it. he said he thought that the West Coast system that Jeremy Bates will run next year here with the Jets, and obviously he's a protege of Mike Shanahan in Denver, um, he thinks would be a great fit for Baker Mayfield. And you also spoke to Albert Breer, mm-hmm. and I thought what he said was very interesting too is he said, well, look at Kirk Cousins and try to see what is similar to Kirk Cousins and in these four quarterbacks because Jeremy Bates comes from the Shanahan tree and Shanahan coached Kirk Cousins, and they're multiple Shanahan, so let me be clear here. Bates worked under Mike Shanahan. Shanahan's son, Kyle, coached Cousins. So just to make sure the dominoes are in full effect there, there is some kind of tie to a Shanahan system and Jeremy Bates, and therefore Albert Breer said try to look for some qualities in some of these guys like Kirk Cousins, one of those guys that has similar qualities, and none of these guys are a perfect match, is Baker Mayfield. I will tell you what, another another thing is I, I think there are a lot of people who are Jets fans right now who love the kids passion, his compete level, his moxie, his, hey, get on board with me and I'm going to lead you to the promised land. I I think there are a lot of people out there, not only in the Jets fan base, but in fan bases throughout the National Football League, where, uh, you know, this becomes an attractive player, an attractive person at a prominent position, but you cannot argue with what he did in college on the field. And Klemko said, hey, listen, he was so well-liked within the building in Norman, within that program, anywhere where he played, he was a natural leader. And, you know, he isn't Russell Wilson because he doesn't have that kind of athleticism in terms of speed, but he does possess very good feet, and he's got a quick release. He's not afraid to stand in there and take a shot or try to avoid a guy, and he's going to compete his tail off to the very end no matter what happens. What happens with his pro career, we don't know. It's going to be fascinating to find out, but I'm really interested to see where this guy goes on draft weekend. I am too, and something I thought Klemko said, which was extremely interesting, is in practice he's making all these off-balance throws because he's trying to simulate what it would be like when he's escaping pressure in a live situation. And, you know, being 6'1", maybe that's some of the things that you need to do and try to put yourself in different situations in practice so when a big defensive lineman's running at you, you're rolling out to your right or your left, and you're, you're throwing dimes if you're Baker Mayfield. Hey, I'll tell you what, he'd be the guy you want to play with, you know, when you were growing up and you're playing tackle football at the park because – He's the guy who's always going to keep the play alive, and you're never going to get him down. Yeah. And he's just a guy who's going to stay out there to pass the time when his mom calls him in for dinner. You know, he's going to say, I got, I got some more play in me. Baker Mayfield, 
Yeah, he was. He wasn't in this video game, but he would be a tremendous asset to NFL Street 2, the video game. It was a great game. <laughs> if you've never played it, you should go play it. And that's all we have here on the official Jets podcast, Baker Mayfield edition. Next episode, we're going to keep it in sunny California. That's going to be the Josh Rosen dissect again. We'll have Sam Farmer on yet again on the official Jets podcast. There you have it. For Eric Allen, I'm Ethan Greenberg.